0: hello welcome to a special sidecar episode in honor of the new season of doctor who Uh, i'm eugene and i'm Simon, and we're gonna try something a little bit different tonight we're we've been playing around with a new idea for a format where we do a little bit more kind of quick reviews uh, counterpoint uh, kind of thing and uh, and a little bit of discussion and we thought The first episode of a six part Doctor Who, which is unprecedented since this podcast started, um, would be a good place to try it out. So uh, I'm going to hand it over to
1: Simon. Take it away. Okay. so, well, yeah, the Halloween apocalypse. First first thought is it's very, very good to have some Doctor Who back on the telly. Um, And then second thought is, well, uh, this is the first six part and not just since this podcast been going but by my counting since the Armageddon factor so let's start with the most important thing which was the cliffhanger Um, and it is really it's good to have one it would have been better if it had been a surprise the way this episode was set up it was pretty obvious from the moment we first saw the flux where that was going to go um, but we've got another four cliffhangers to come, so hopefully they can be a bit more surprising. Uh, kind of interesting that it involved checking in with all the characters in a very sort of the killing kind of a way. And that sort of feels like it drags a bit on the sort of shock, sting, impact of the cliffhanger. But hey, um, I do kind of like having all these strands with with all of these characters, but it does mean you're missing out on. What well, I guess was the opportunity to do a change of pace with a, a you know, the extra time a six-parter offer, offers. This felt like the setup of of a two-parter, like the Stolen Planet or something, uh, and doesn't doesn't have that kind of sense of place that you get from some of the the one-off filler episodes. So that doesn't mean we won't get that in the future if six-part serials are successful. Um, and obviously, there's a bit of Liverpool and Anfield in there, but it was kind of fleeting, and I, I, I wanted a bit more of the Arctic Circle stuff um and it just felt like lots of characters and not much time to get to know them and indeed not much time to get to know them before some of them were killed already. <laughs> they didn't even make it to the end of episode one the doctor yeah i liked i liked how she was focused that was good active yeah good slightly blasé and devious yeah Yaz. i don't know it fe- i mean she mentions that she was a uh a police officer again but uh don't feel like there's any new progression, just sort of irritation with the Doctor, right? Ace and the Professor, kind of a way, um, which must have also occurred to to Chibnall because he references Nitro Nine and the Doctor being Scottish, or I guess that could be Capaldi. Um, new companion Dan, liking him, yeah, not that engaged by him yet. Don't really have a handle. He just sort of seems a bit too good to be true. Um, but then you know, tour guides in in the Chibnall era seem to have hidden depths see also fugitive of the Jadun. so where next um i won't mind if the pace slows down for an episode or two before we ramp up to the finale um i think we could do with spending a bit more time in each of these subplots but really it could go anywhere um i think it clearly is a proper serial so that pretty much vindicates our decision to hold off our proper review and just throw in this first impressions reaction on Episode one, but we, I think we're going to have to wait for the conclusion to to really discuss it.
0: Well, uh, I went into this with low expectations, and uh, I couldn't tell whether it was brilliance or incompetence on Chibnall's part starting off with a pre credit sequence that I absolutely hated, uh, which brought my expectations to an even newer low. I'm guessing that was just incompetence, because but the rest of the episode was an improvement. So, uh but I didn't come out of this feeling good. I I was disappointed by this. Um not because it's just a fragment of the story. Hey, that's, you know, fine. Uh it's it's not because universe destroying villains have always left me flattered and flat. Uh I've always maintained that they're disinteresting because their motivations are just too ridiculous. It, it, nor nor is it because the villain, the swarm Looks and reminds me way too much of Tim Shaw Mark II, the 13th Doctor's least interesting nemesis to date. Um, It's not because they've chosen to bring back the stupid, stupid hit the TARDIS console with a hammer nonsense. It's, It's not because the FX compositing would embarrass a YouTuber. Uh, not because the episode would have us believe that a spacefaring race rushing to save humanity would be so poor at logistics as to send seven billion ships to fit one human each. Just ask yourself where the babies go. What what about the ones born after they launched the flotilla? It's not because on second viewing, it became obvious that characters' behaviors are completely inconsistent with their later stated goals solely for the purpose of creating artificial drama and jeopardy. It's not even that annoying uh, line from the baddie that indicates Chibnall is going to double down on the timeless child. Um, Guy doesn't know when to quit. It's not any of those things specifically, but they all contribute. But what really disappointed me in this was the portrayal of just three people, Dan, Gaz, and the doctor. Dan's a little too early to tell, but he creeps me out. Maybe it's those neon white teeth of his, but if I were a kid, Dan would make me shout Stranger Danger and run like hell. Um, our one returning companion, Yaz, who was once the most promising companion the Doctor had, has become obnoxious, entitled, needy, know-it-all. I'm already rooting for this new Yaz to get taken down hard by her hubris. But worst of all is the Doctor. With Troughton and Baker and Smith, when they were buffoons, there was cunning and intellectual steel behind their eyes. Whitaker's 13 is clueless from the opening scene to the closing. And not once did I feel any situation was resolved because the doctor was clever, let alone the cleverest person in the room. Truly clueless isn't a good look for the doctor. And that's all on the shoulders of the man putting words in her mouth. So, nah, I'm not not feeling the love for this one. But, uh... Anyway. Oh, fun fact though! Fun fact: If you take seven billion spaceships with an outward-facing surface area of 113 square meters, which would be, you know, what ten by ten or something, uh, you could, in fact, surround the Earth just outside the stratosphere. You'd, ha- you'd have enough. You'd have enough ships to actually do that. So, for once, a number fits in Doctor Who. So. I- so you didn't say whether you liked it or not. I got the impression maybe you did, but
1: yeah, I liked it. I I I mean I enjoyed watching it and I felt like I wanted to watch it again. It wasn't the I don't, I I can't I I genuinely mean it. I don't think I don't think you can judge it based on one part out of six. That said, it's definitely the case that I do enjoy setup episodes and I have seen I mean, we've had enough two-parters that I've seen set up part one episodes that I've enjoyed a lot more than I enjoyed this one. So it's not it's not like it's shot to the top of the pile here. It just kept me entertained for 50 minutes.
0: Well, flipping that on its on its head, you can judge it by its first episode. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Because in this day and age, if they had dropped all six episodes, I wouldn't have watched the second one yet. I, I probably would have put that on, yeah, I can wait a week. It, it would not have driven me to go, oh, oh, I got to see the next one. You know, and and so if you don't get people to come back, then you the first episode is getting judged. And as you say, the cliffhanger was kind of, you knew where it was going because it's there in the title and they had to check in with everybody. And I still feel like each of these stories And note note the term there. We could call them B plots. Claire, um, the 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 Arctic, the the division, the Centaurans, the Weeping Angels, particularly the Centaurans and the Weeping Angels, and we know later the Cybermen. Those feel like you know we're going to be done with the Centaurans next week. That's going to be a little deviation along the way, and then that'll probably be the end of the Centaurans. And and it does feel like that's going to be a story to me because it doesn't feel like it could be particularly integral to the plot. They're just, hey, war, let's go blow stuff up. This is gonna be fun. And it, it's hard to reconcile that with the idea that that's part of this overarching swarm nonsense. So yeah, I don't know. Anything, anything else that you, it, it pops to your mind? I have I, kept my notes to a very slight uh you no, know, I wanted to, you know, shout out nitro nitro nine. Um, although is the doctor making nitro nine now? Uh, I also appreciate, in a way, that the doctor is still holding on to a bag full of Ryan's Sneeze from Orphan 55, because that's totally believable. <sighs> But yeah, it, it's this thing with the it's this thing with that dog. People, it does help that the dog looks a bit like one of my dogs. To be fair, uh, but th- this thing. I the thought the dog really was very very
1: shape. cool. I I, I like the, I like having fluffy aliens, and the the kind of biggest biggest laugh in this was when for me was when Dan stroked his face because he thought he looked fluffy, and the dog is supposed to be this incredibly uh, lethal and malevolent uh, mm-hmm. alien um and and yeah the whole idea of aliens on halloween i i like it obviously it's not new because you've you know even going back to the woman who fell to earth you've got eat my salad halloween which i enjoyed at the mm-hmm. time but uh the the yeah the the, the dog dan play, i, I like
0: yeah that. It, it was yes and it, it, it's the way he handled it was fine but it, you know it is that subplot is the worst part of it in a way, because it's just a stupid way to rescue another species. His spaceship's big enough for, I don't know, five people. Why build five spaceships when you can save five people with one spaceship? The the time and the resources. And it sounds like they had time to prepare for the coming of the flux. So, you know, who is it in a planning meeting that said we've got to save seven billion people? How do we... How do we get a? How do we get them all off the planet? And somebody else goes, "Let's build seven billion spaceships," and and no one else in the room raised his little paw and said, "Let's build seven hundred million spaceships and save ten people each." And nobody else raised a hand and go, "Maybe we could save two at a time." Like you know, just and then he crashes in the door. He threatens to kill him. It's all that stuff. That is all complete fake. They're there to rescue the human beings and sure, maybe I don't have to like them, but is that, is that what they're going to be doing? Is it going to be kicking down the doors and shouting at all the human beings and waving axes at them and saying, submit or I'll execute you. But I'm lying because I'm really here to save you. Or just on second, I, and I had to fight my way through a second watch, but that, that whole thing really says, this is just, it's all a fake. And what worries me is that by the time we get to the end of this six-parter, the whole thing is going to be a fake. So that and you know that's on Chibnall. That's on Chibnall. That's just the way he presents bad drama. <sighs> Got anything other to counterpoint? Argue? I've covered everything I had. Okay. I, I'll throw two things. The best line in this, absolutely. A uh, mate who had one of these. I think his was bigger. Hilarious line. True or not? Oh, what I assumed it wasn't true. I assume that that's a stereotype. I know that's a stereotype uh, reaction, but this is Doctor Who. And it's not impossible that that line is going to come back and haunt us later on. Well, absolutely, um, because
1: you because you could, you can often sneak a twist in to a Doctor Who plot by hiding a significant line as a gag
0: for for that matter, Dan maybe yet another one of these imaginary doctors that, that have been wiped out of existence and just doesn't know it. Um and uh also, I know it's it's a picky thing. Thirty trillion light years away, the Centauran plot, when they go from the doctor to the Centaurans, thirty trillion light years away. The known universe based on all our calculations of so the Big Bang and whatnot is ninety three billion light years across. Where are they? And
1: how how, so would they, factor in time travel.
0: how would they span yeah, okay, so the universe is going to be much bigger in the far future. I didn't think the Centaurans were a time travel race, right? Is everyone a time travel are race? Are they contemporary I
1: mean, with with twenty first century Earth?
0: They are contemporary with thirtieth century Earth? What well, was the time after the solar flares? They reached our galaxy at that time in, in the in the in the far flung. It's just, it's just like, why pick a number like that? Wikipedia could upset you straight, at least a little bit. I mean, it's an unimaginable distance, and it's an unimaginable distance to believe that the Centaurans, even with faster-than-light travel, that's, that's a long, long way. <laughs> it's like a really long way. I guess what we got for our reaction, uh, let us know what you think. You want a, a more short-form looks at these Doctor Who's? and. Uh, We'll uh, we'll adapt accordingly. Simon, thanks for being here.
1: It's a pleasure, as always.
0: Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again for our next regular episode of Fusion Patrol, right here on, you know, Fusion Patrol.